Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in. Hour number two of the early line. Sonny Wright's out here and Kevin Walsh having some fun, bringing that heat over the first two hours, setting up your sports grid programming for the day. Now, talk some NFL, talk some Major League Baseball, still some hot topics left in the NBA. And how about this one for UK Dub? Check this one out. LeBron James coming off of his two-year $86 million deal, now eligible for a two-year close to $100 million extension, which as of Thursday was live. The question for me is, what are we talking about between the Lakers and LeBron James that could cause a fracture where he might not sign this? The talks are progressing. What talks, K-Dub? Open it up. Get the signatures going. What are we waiting on here? So I think for LeBron and the Lakers, they're both aware that every plan is for him to stay in L.A. The only reason, and the, the reports have said this, that he will leave is to likely go and play with Bronny if he's in the NBA, depending on where Bronny goes. And also, again, just that reminder. It's not that Bronny gets drafted and Bron darts. It's that LeBron said he would play with Bronny before he retires. So there still might be some waiting game after that. So the fact that this isn't already signed, sealed, and delivered is not that LeBron is having hesitations about staying in L.A. I think it's about leverage. Look, a two-year, $97 million contract extension LeBron, I think, will happily sign and remain a Laker. But he probably doesn't need to run and do it right away. Because there have been a couple of circumstances where we have seen this Lakers front office think to themselves, ah, we got enough here, right? I, I think we got the pieces to get the job done. And I know for a fact that LeBron doesn't think that because every single reporter out there has told you that. That Westbrook needs to be moved on from. And that there need to still be some additional changes made to this roster. And LeBron's contract gives him leverage over the Lakers front office. And I think right now the leverage game they're playing is everything is positive. Because if he says it's negative, that is actually going to hurt the Lakers in potential trade talks. All of a sudden, the Nets or the Pacers, teams they're heavily linked to, will say, oh, no, no, no. That extra draft pick, please, because LeBron looks like he's going to press the eject button any minute. So LeBron holds serve. But to me, if at any moment he starts to feel like the Lakers are just going to sit pat and the current starting five of 
LeBron AD, Westbrook, Austin Reeves, and Thomas Bryant is going to hit the floor, then LeBron might all of a sudden send a couple of stories out there about some unhappiness and not sign that extension. Yeah, it's interesting to me because I don't see a better fit across the NBA than LeBron James with the Lakers from a marketing standpoint. Like, I'm just going to pick up and go to Toronto and take my game to the six. I don't see it happening here. So we're trying to take a look at the leverage that he can use. And also keep in mind, Bronny not eligible to play in the NBA until 2024. Is there a chance that he just waits this one out and waits towards free agency and really holds the Lakers, you know, foot to the fire? Because we've seen that in the past when we were taking a look at the Cleveland Cavaliers and their advances for LeBron James. So LeBron James said, yeah, you know what? I would really, Kevin, like to go back to Cleveland. But, you know, I'm not going to sign a five-year deal because if you try to equate that to the the Nets and what we're looking at here now, it's Kevin Durant doesn't have a year-to-year contract. He's there for a couple years. So technically the Nets can sort of hold him off and say, we would like you to be here. Let's bring in the radio audience here, SiriusXM Channel 159, Radio of the Sports Grid Network. It's the early line on a Friday with Donnie and Kevin talking some NBA action. So talk to me on that. LeBron James, with that leverage here, can he basically say to Lakers, it's me or Westbrook at this point. Show me you mean business, sir. I might just wait to the last moment. I I do think that is the reason this isn't already done. Because, really, Donnie, there's no negotiations going on about money. It's a max extension. They're going to give him every yeah. single penny that they possibly can. The, the, it's not like it can be five years or anything. Maybe LeBron says, look, I'd, I'd rather only do a one-year extension. So, so maybe that. But again, LeBron saying I'm only going to do a one-year extension is under the same guidelines of what we're talking about here. So, yes, I think you're absolutely on the right trail. I believe that LeBron is trying to make sure that they are on the same page. I don't think they're talking dollars at all in that room. They're talking roster changes with LeBron. That's how he puts pen to paper. Seems like a quiet period right now in the NBA. and We haven't heard all that much from Kyrie and his mm-hmm. camp. Still the top target here, you would assume, would be the Lakers. Any news coming out of Kyrie and or the NBA about where he's going to land? So that was the one piece of news that I thought was noteworthy, and it's lined up a lot with what I've said here on this show. Jonah... Uh, Jovan Bua, who covers the Lakers for The Athletic, reported that the Lakers are still Kyrie Irving's destination. And I know for some that'll jump off of the page is a little bit surprising, right? Because this is a, a guy who we keep hearing is ready to be in New York and o- okay with staying in Brooklyn. As I've tried to tell people, Kyrie is doing a little bit of PR here. Again, Kevin Durant requests a trade and people spent months slandering the name of Kyrie Irving, like he was the one who requested out. I think Kyrie is in his very simple spot. He will stay in Brooklyn if he has to. But he's also very aware that if Durant is traded, he is very likely to be traded. And if he does get traded, it's very likely that it's to the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he winds up, but it is a football Friday here on the network. More NFL talk coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Picking back up with some NFL headlines here on a Friday. And we should make uh, hit a little bit on this Steelers Deontay Johnson contract as he did agree to a two year extension, 27 million guaranteed, 30, uh, a little under 40 million total. The expectation is he will be there for both of those years. There's certainly no easy cut points or anything of the nature from the Pittsburgh side of it. Looks like Deontay Johnson wants to stay there a little bit longer. But of this contract, what did surprise me more than anything towards his season-long numbers was the length of the deal. Again, we've you know AJ Brown signed a long-term contract. So did Tyreek Hill. So did Devontae Adams. You can bring in a long-term deal if you would like to. I would think for these guys, but maybe some hesitation there from both parties. One overall, nevertheless. He's going to be in Pittsburgh for a little while longer. Deontay Johnson for a season-long over-under receiving yards is at 950 and a half. Does this news have any impact to you on the Johnson over-under for the year? No, not necessarily, unless it was one of those types where, you know, Deontay Johnson wasn't going to get a deal, so he was going to hold out until week one and then come back, and we know how that usually turns out at that point. It doesn't change my prognosis here that he's still going to struggle a little bit with the quarterback play that we anticipate getting from the Pittsburgh Steelers and also getting back to the contract demands. I think this was one of those, Kevin, where they split the difference, right? Years might have been longer on one side. Money might have been different on another side. Let's get you the money. Let's get you some reassurances here. Head into 2022 with, you know, on a good platform for yourself as opposed to worrying about your future. So I think there was a compromise there, but I don't think it has any lasting impact for me, Kevin, on the overall season statistics for Deontay Johnson. I just think that is the one caveat, though, right, is that just in case we were going to get to a holdout point, now that that's cleared I think you can attack Deontay Johnson numbers uh, under normal circumstances. That would kind of be the one bridge that I would have wanted to get over the hump on if I were someone that were ready to line up Deontay Johnson numbers. The 950 and a half is probably going to be a pass for me, but I, I thought the number, if you made me bet, it probably did point over. You would have wanted the contract situation to be settled up, and it now certainly is. Let's move over to a different wide receiver, Romeo Dobbs. Now, I am sure a lot of people, early morning, with a whole lot of, who? I don't blame you. Because I guarantee that there's a lot of people 24 hours ago who had no idea 
who Romeo Dubes was. I very well could be saying his name wrong. That, though, is in play for people that have been around a long time, so I guess maybe that's not a good bar that we're clearing as is. But what happened is Aaron Rodgers went out there and sung the praises of Romeo. Oh, Romeo. And he went from 101 to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year to 50 to 1 to 40 to 1 to 26 to 1. Now, this is twofold. Singing the praise of a rookie doesn't drop your Rookie of the Year odds that drastically. But when someone like Aaron Rodgers does it, it's going to have a lasting impact. But the real reason I do believe this number is changing so much is the lack of belief in everything else the Packers wide receiver room is offering. Because nobody thinks Lazard is good enough, or fellow rookie Christian Watson, or oft-injured Sammy Watkins. So really, the takeaway here. If you're betting this Romeo number right now, is you believe fourth-round rookie out of Nevada, Romeo Dobbs is going to be the number one wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I have my doubts. 26 to 1 he is now. And I think you hit the nail right on the head with this one. This isn't about pumping up a fourth-round draft pick that you think is having a pretty good camp and he can catch the football and you're surprised that he actually is acclimated to the NFL so quickly. It's an indictment of who you have as your starting wide receivers. Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Watson, and also, you know, we'll see if Tanyan's back from injury here at tight end. That's all it is here. He's basically saying, Boy, if this guy is standing out as a draft pick that probably shouldn't even, I mean, he's going to make the team, obviously, but not really be a factor working on your routes as your rookie season, being a gunner on the punt team. That's usually where your focus is when you're a middling round draft pick here at the wide receiver position in the NFL, particularly in a Packers organization. But it's basically telling us this guy could be our best wide receiver, which shows us exactly what our wide receiver core actually is. These are troubling you know, circumstances here for the Green Bay Packers, at least for me. But we do have these weird little tangents that Aaron Rodgers goes off. Like, I mean, hey, I, you know, I built my entire career, and Jay Coomer, not being here. I don't even know if I can play football this year. I mean, this guy was the glue that kept the Packers' offense together. Stop the madness here. So he's a little bit quirky talking about Aaron Rodgers and who he likes at the wide receiver position. But for me, you should be talking about, boy, Watson really sticks out. Alan Lazard should be a number one wide receiver. Randall Cobb, my old buddy, that slot that's going to be wide open here throughout every game. And you're talking about a rookie nobody's ever heard of. Let's see what the Packers bring to the table week one here. And if this is a facade that's being built up for Romeo Dubs at this point. By the way, Dubs is way better than Dubs. So I'll go with Dubs at this point. See if he's actually going to pick up some Dubs during the regular season. And, of course, is some of uh, his close buddies know him, R.D., uh, which will, of course, be referenced uh, uh, plenty of times okay. here uh, on the show. True. Here was Roger's quote. Every single day, there's been at least one kind of wow play for him. And that's the kind of rare uh, for a young guy like that. Now, we've had some guys over the years do that, but they're all in the top 10, I think, in the Packers receiving history. Now, I understand that that's big praise, and I know everyone keeps saying, Rodgers doesn't do this, Rodgers doesn't do this. But unless Aaron Rodgers comes out and says, that's going to be my number one wide receiver, this is insane. Like, he, he keeps singing the praises of Alan Lazard. Do I need to refresh the odds board? Is Alan Lazard 
book next to Cooper Cup and offensive player of the year odds? I mean, what are we what are we doing? Like Donnie, is is our boy Romeo gonna have an over under seven and a half receiving yards in game number one here? Like, this has now become a scenario, truthfully, where of all the week one props, you and I, we do our target player props, right? For those that were with us last year during the NFL season, no, where there are numbers we are fascinated by. I could almost tell you right now, I will be taking a chunk of time to talk about the entirety of the Packers' wide receiving core. Like, this is what we're doing here. This is how desperate we are. Or maybe, does this speak more to just the lack of staying power anybody has in this offensive rookie of the year market that nobody has juice. So one quote from a hall of famer gets this guy so fired up the board. Yeah, we're really trying to manufacture things, right? You take a look at Packers lore here. Is he going to be like Greg Jennings putting the Packers on his back right now? Is that what we're anticipating here out of Romeo dubs in the 2022 season? But you're so correct. We talked about it yesterday on the uh, uh, afternoon show taking a look at who these actual rookies are and going over there going, man, this guy's 16-1. I never heard of this guy. So no question that just a few simple words out of Aaron Rodgers pushes Romeo Dubs up the, up the marker boards here. I believe it here. The Fandle Sportsbook's on the move, and maybe if he hypes them up again today, does he crack the 20-1 to 1 number here? Watch out for Romeo. Yeah, I mean, this guy, this guy's one uh, Twitter clip away from becoming the, the favorite in the market. And there's one more NFL story I want to get to. So what we'll do is set the stage, because why rob ourselves of a good thing? The Patriots have decided that they don't need an offensive coordinator. And I think we've kind of realized that's because they don't want to outright name Matt Patricia as their offensive coordinator. So as always, the reporters are on the beat, figuring out how things look and giving us an idea. And apparently, it has been notable that the lack of consistency their offense is providing for all-world future Hall of Famer, easily the heir apparent to Tom Brady, Mac Jones has had. And it's also been notable how many, quote, no-chance plays there have been. This from Mike Reese of ESPN. Interesting. We'll hit that on the other side and then give you some Major League Baseball. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Patriots, Patriots, Patriots. Again, we set the stage. If you happen to just join us here over the course of the break, essentially everything is going wrong. Maybe not everything, but a lot is going wrong right now for the Patriots offense. Maybe it's because they don't have an offensive coordinator, or more likely they do have an offensive coordinator, and he's Matt Patricia. Either way, at what point does Belichick swallow his pride, put uh, you know Matt Patricia in charge of coaching the defensive line, and try, yes, I know it's August, to just hire an offensive coordinator? I mean, what are we doing here in New England? I love it, and it adds food for fodder where we always bring up Bill Belichick, who, again, I preface this by saying one of the single best coaches in any sport of all time, but sometimes you can get over your skis here. It looks like that's what he's doing, right? Last year, we saw it on that Monday night football game versus the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to be smarter than everybody else, and it did work, so you get him a little bit of credit with the worst game plan in the history of professional sports which then again shattered your quarterback's confidence. And you saw that later in the year when the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots played without 70-mile-an-hour wins. They got smoked. So how good of a game plan actually was that? So we move into the offseason here. Bill Belichick, who's been the Patriots coach for what? This is, let's just say the better part of 25 years, has always had an offensive and a defensive coordinator. And then they ask him the question, who's your offensive and defensive coordinators this year? Uh, we don't really get in the titles. No? Then why are you the head coach? Why don't you have some ambiguous title that just says Bill Belichick, New England Patriots guy here? It's because of the embarrassment. It's because if you actually saying, I hired Mac Patricia to be my offensive coordinator, everybody goes, you lost it. You lost the plot right here, Bill. You're trying to outsmart everybody again. But we're led to believe, though, the best offensive coordinators are actually defensive coordinators because they know how to exploit the offensive lines and the defensive lines. Makes zero sense. So the fact that the Patriots are struggling, I question this. Everybody's got headsets on in training camp, calling the plays in, calling them out. And Bill Belichick's just listening in, and Matt Patricia's going, all right, 52-stack defense, blitz, ready, break. Hold on now, hold on, Matt. You do know you're the offensive play call. Oh, my my bad, my bad. Uh, 62 slant jet go on one, ready, break. I mean, enough with the madness here. Just come out. You just don't want to give the coordinator position to Matt Patricia because you know you will get reamed across all front lines from the press going, what are you doing, Bill? This makes no sense. At the end of the day, I have routinely – checked in to see what the Mac Jones season long number is. And it's not been posted. And I'm sorry, but I don't think that is a mistake. I understand that not every single quarterback has numbers listed, but it's Mac Jones is not in a competition. He's not battling any injury. He's just battling Matt Patricia and this nonsense that is going on in new England. Again, The Brady versus Bill thing was, to me, always nothing when they were together in New England. Then Tom won a Super Bowl in Tampa, and I was like, yeah, but the situations are different. Boy, Brady is so much more valuable than Bill Belichick, and quite frankly, it's not even close. We'll make the move to Major League Baseball on that note, because there's a lot of good games for us to preview here today, including Nats-Phillies. Yesterday, we had a final after five innings. No opportunity for the uh, Phil's bullpen to get in the mix there. What a shame. But Noah Syndergaard gets himself a nice win 
in that Philly debut. And these two teams are back at it today. Uh, now, yesterday, it was a big-time number for Syndergaard's debut. It's another near-minus 200 number with Kyle Gibson getting the ball. Totals a nine. What are we doing here in this NL East matchup? Yeah, sort of got robbed a little bit yesterday. Team total on the Phillies over five yesterday. Yeah, they got five runs. Like, oh, you'll take the push. No! The five runs through four at-bats here. They weren't even getting to the plate here in the bottom of the fifth inning yet. So it's sort of robbed on a victory yesterday. But you're just going against the Nats. It's the same thing we talked about, Kevin, post-trade deadline. The haves and the have-nots. Teams actually trying to win baseball games, the Philadelphia Phillies. Teams actively tanking for the remainder of their baseball games, the Washington Nationals. It's as simple as that. But if I'm looking at this game from a capping perspective, I don't necessarily love the matchup here for the Philadelphia Phillies. Last time the Phillies saw Josiah Gray, it's pretty dominant on the mound with a lot of strikeouts. And quite frankly, over the past 30 days, Gray, a 33% strikeout rate here, which is pretty impressive. So, Kevin, I know you love your strikeout props. There's a lot of guys in this lineup talking about Kyle Schwarber, 76 at-bats versus right-handed pitching over the past 30 days. Yeah, he struck out 41% of the time. How about Reese Hoskins, 31% of the time. Castellanos, 29%. Hall, 29%. Marsh, who's just coming over here from the Angels and probably active and playing again tonight, 37% of the time he struck out against right-handed batters over the past 30 days. So maybe a strikeout prop in the nose. I do think the Phillies win. I don't want to pay that price. Mm -hmm. But I do think Gray is going to be out there for the long haul, as you like to say, where it doesn't matter. Just eat your innings, kid. Even if you're struggling early on, give up a couple runs, you can get some strikeouts here. That Gray number right now is a six and a half at a plus 120. And it's one of those numbers where I definitely think there's a chance that that recent performance is factoring in a bit. If you look at in the month of July, Gray, six strikeouts, 11 versus the Phillies, seven versus Seattle, six versus the Dodgers, and six versus the Cardinals. So the strikeout pitch has started to work a little bit more. Clearly no interest in providing the people a five and a half, even though it would be very juicy, because that now would start to become a trend, and he would be getting over that number with consistency. The big thing with right now, Gray, is the consistency in terms of the outing, as you mentioned there, Donnie. 90-plus pitches in every single start for quite some time, going at least five innings of work there, which is big when you're looking at a number like a six and a half. It's one of those things, though, maybe you take it down to, you know, six-plus Ks, maybe even five-plus Ks, and start to figure out some parlay situations maybe within that same game and turn it around. Continuing to move forward here, the Mets and the Braves are back at it. Taiwan Walker has the ball against Ian Anderson. I Look, some I know I, I, I defer to you a lot, and that's because you have all the numbers there. But there are certain numbers that just jump off of the page to me, and this is one of them. Taiwan Walker looks like a lot of value here for me today against Ian Anderson in City Field. Walker has been very, very good in his home ballpark this season. And for me, again, th there is a bigger gap between these guys than the early numbers would suggest. I'm not saying the Mets need to be minus 175, but if they were, I'm not sure I'd necessarily say it's a mistake. Mets Braves, are, am, I, am I off base here? Is, is Ian Anderson maybe a, a sneaky guy that the numbers on the surface are better than, than I'm thinking? I think a little bit off base. Yesterday, we talked about the game and it said, hey, you know, minus 120 on the Mets, that's the way to go. And they did pick up a victory. But also on a day-to-day -day basis, some things do change. You know, we see John Heyman out here saying MVP should be tossed around for Edwin Diaz, the closer for the New York Mets. Also, Kevin, remember, how many saves, how many outs did he get yesterday? First time in his career, a six-out save. 
it's a good chance that he might not be available in the game tonight as one of your better pitchers. Let's see how that progresses. But also, it's all about matchups here. Last 30 days, you could take a look at Ian Anderson. Hasn't been great. He's got a next whip of around four, which isn't terrible, but it certainly doesn't stick off the page. If we take a look at how he handles right-handed batters being a right-handed pitcher, it's not very good, Kevin. A 394 weighted on base percentage and an ISO of 182. So right away, you're saying, okay, man, sign me up on the Mets here. Looks like they have at least a starting pitching advantage, but not so fast. It goes about who you're going to match up against. If we look at the Mets, they're left-handed heavy. It looks like in tonight's lineup, Kevin, as many as six left-handed batters will be in the lineup for the Mets, which leaves three guys enough to do damage against Anderson is what you'd probably be trying to check out. But look at the lefties here. He's a 240-weighted on-base percentage and an ISO of 058 through 59 batters here. And as I said, the Mets are anticipating having at least six left-handed batters. If I look at that and I say, hey, maybe Ian Anderson can quiet those bats down from the New York Mets, but also when you're late in the game, the Braves have a pretty potent lineup, but if Edwin Diaz is not available tonight out of the bullpen, that's going to be a hurt there for the end of that rotation for the New York Mets. So I would look at this price now at the FanDuel Sportsbook at a plus 118 and thinking that the Braves have a chance to bounce back tonight. It's not the Grom, it's not Scherzer. They know they need this game and maybe on the back end of the bullpen a little bit weaker from a Mets perspective. I'll live with the Braves and take them as a short dog price at City Field tonight. Look, Walker has been just spectacular this year at home. The ERA is sub two. Uh, for the Mets. We saw his at, at last time he was pitching uh, in this ballpark. It was a win against the New York Yankees, uh, booked as uh, a slight home underdog there. Ian Anderson, for me, hasn't earned that level of respect to, to get the plus price look from me. I understand from you. I will say, though, early, both guys' strikeout props jump off the page a little bit. Anderson, three and a half. Walker, four and a half. Those are certainly numbers uh, to keep your eye on throughout the day. How about Rays Tigers here? Garcia against Kluber. Tampa Bay is, they just keep chugging along, right? Like when was the last time the Tampa Bay Rays checked into a seven and seven headline? Couldn't remember. Couldn't tell you. I don't know. It's, it's been so long since it feels like they had any juice, but here they are 56 and 49 right now, occupying that final wild card spot in the American league. And you expect them to be there when it's all said and done. Any value, uh, on the raise today here, total in Detroit's eight and a half. Yeah, yesterday, how about we talked about the Tampa Bay Rays being out of Tropicana and on the road here, and that's certainly a bump in the bats. They get their team total and take that down yesterday for a nice win. But if we're taking a look at Kluber over the past 30 days, let's see what he does well and what he doesn't do well. Right around that XFIP number of four, which isn't great, striking out about 22% of the batters that he's faced, which is okay. Lefty batters, though, getting the best of Kluber to a tune of a 364 weighted on base percentage and an ISO of 216. Now, flip it over. Kluber is a right-handed pitcher. He's absolutely been dominant, Kevin, against right-handed batters this year. Excuse me, last 30 days. 227 weighted on base percentage, 048 ISO power number. But doesn't always come down to this because if we look at and you say leap of faith, can you really take a leap of faith with the Tigers? Because just like the Mets, we're looking at six-plus left-handed bats in the lineup. Perfect. Sign me up. This should be a game where they hit. But as we take a look, Kevin, Every single player on this team, a 319 or less over the past 30 days against right-handed pitching. It's hard to take the Tigers. But again, do you want to pay basically a two-to-one price here on the Tampa Bay Rays on the road? And that's, I don't really want to do that. Yeah, you got to try and find alternate ways to attack a team like this. A lot more baseball for us to break down. The Yanks are back in action. The Padres and the Dodgers start a new series. We'll be right back. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the early line. Man, oh, man, we're on the mix. Uh, we're, we're in the mix right now, Don, I got to tell you. Uh, yours truly uh, a little quick engagement uh, with John Heyman in the Twitter sphere there. Talking about Edwin Diaz getting some MVP votes. MVP votes. What about Sandy Alcantara? Did you get a reply Sandy back? Alcantara. No love. Yeah, she sure did. I mean, he shows he shows some respect to the uh, superstar of the early line. He, I mean, if you would have said something to him, he obviously would probably would hit you at that block button there. But I just had one Mets fan tell me that Edwin Diaz has positively impacted games far more than Sandy Alcantara mm. this season. That is... I don't know how you get to that. Uh, I don't know how you get to that conclusion. That confuses me quite a bit. Now I'm going to go a little rogue here on, on your order because, quite frankly, uh, I'm going to have to disrespect it. I don't think you did a good job with the order because we got to start with the Dodgers and the Padres here. Oh, no. Again, like, the way you set things up, we can have that conversation another time. This is obviously a huge series. The Dodgers never lose. The Padres have a lot of juice right now. They just had a five-game winning streak snapped. With their final game up against the Rockies yesterday. This is a spot where Tony Gonsolin at home, Donnie, checking in at, you know, about minus 160. I feel like we've seen a lot stronger prices on Gonsolin this year. Some Padres respect when I look at this number early right now. Total for this ball game, eight and a half. Juice pointing towards an over right now. Soto, first game as a Padre against the LA Dodgers. How are we feeling? Yeah, this game's going to be an over. I do believe that here. If we take a look at the FanDuel Sportsbook, that eight and a half, I think they can get nine runs. And usually you'd look at these two pitchers just on name itself. Like, okay, got two good pitchers on the mound going up against two good teams, and we're playing in a pitcher's ballpark, which either one of these ballparks, if you're playing in San Diego or the Dodgers, they both set up for the pitchers. But if we take a look at those snapshots, Kevin, over the last 30 days, I mean, let's take a look here. Gonsolin, you called it. Man. Are we starting to worry a little bit about him? Why? Because he was so mm-hmm. dominant to start the season. And now you say, 
What has he been doing over the past 30 days? How about the right-handed batters? 45 of those he's faced, Kevin. Weighted on base percentage, 365. ISO power number at a 262. You got some pretty good bats coming down the pipeline now for the San Diego Padres. No longer that team is going to try to batter you like the Brewers and win 3-2. to two. They can really open it up. Now, flip it over to the other side. Sean Manea, good young pitcher. Yeah, he is. But over the past 30 days, a 4.5 XFIP. Again, not terrible, but take a look at his splits. To lefties, he's a left-handed pitcher. He's faced 23 batters, a 362 weighted on base percentage, an ISO power number of 318. How about the right-handed batters, Kevin? 367 weighted on base percentage, ISO power number 297. These two lineups are way too talented to be held down tonight. And if Gonsolin reverts back to his all-star mode, then okay, maybe you might get an under. But if he's anywhere near what he's been post-all-star break or, quite frankly, all-star game, after the break, then I think we get runs. Give me the over nine tonight between these two. Here's the thing. If you factor his, because he was bad his last outing before the break as well. Five innings against the Cardinals and gave up five earned runs. If you factor in the all-star game, his ERA over his last 17 innings, four appearances, is almost an eight. But I understand people probably don't want to factor in the all-star game. That's fine. It's still a 6-7-5 then, the start right before and the two start since. Gonsolin has not been the same pitchers, a pitcher in his most recent outings. The one thing I will say, his early strikeout number at 4.5 has my attention a little bit juice, little strong for my liking at minus 144. But that is a number that I not only want to track because I think it could have a little bit of value, but I'm also just interested to see how, you know, kind of bringing in some new lineups changes the strikeout prop landscape, right? Adding a Soto and a Bell, and obviously that's shifting things ar- uh, around a little bit there. That's kind of every team, though, that made notable moves at the deadline. How about Yankees-Cardinals here? Obviously, the New York Yanks have uh, been hitting speed bumps, it feels like, over the last month-plus of baseball right now. They've not been winning at that unbelievable pace. And they're now going to a St. Louis team that is obviously still trying to catch the Milwaukee Brewers, getting help from the Pittsburgh Pirates in that quest recently, uh, as these teams are now 57 and 48, each of them. Cardinals and the Brewers, the same record right now as we take a look. Nestor Cortez has the ball, maybe the Yankees' actual ace. So he's a road favorite, a little bit better than minus 150. What are we doing with Cortez Hudson? Yeah, uh, you see that eight and a half. I think there's a legitimate chance to go over here as well. How many times do we see the Yankees go to a National League ballpark in the past? Oh, look at this. Cortez has the bat. Thank goodness we no longer have, you know, DHs in one league, non-DHs in the other league. It's nice to actually get one through nines on each side. But if we take a look, Kevin, over the past 30 days of how these pitchers have been doing, Nestor Cortez, not great here. XFIP numbers, 4.83. But here's the difference. And we're going to go over this with both of these starting pitchers in this game today. Let's first focus on Cortez. 21.5% of the guys he struck out over the past 30 days. That's okay. Doesn't walk too many guys, which is fine. But again, an XFIP approaching five. But take a look at his splits here, which is interesting. To lefties, again, Cortez is a left-handed pitcher. Weighted on base percentage, Kevin, a 194. Sensational. ISO power number, 0.0. He's really helping the fourth against lefties. So he's okay. He's probably giving up against righties. It's a little bit higher at a 321 weighted on base percentage, but an ISO power number of 145. So maybe his ground ball percentage of under 30% 
It's getting a little bit lucky right now. So let's flip it over to see how the Yankees might do going up against HUD's right-handed pitcher. His XFIP, a 5.72 over the past 30 days. His strikeout prop, excuse me, strikeout percentage, 12%, which means balls are getting put in play here. Now, also, the same thing we just talked about, Nestor Cortez, the high XFIP number, right? Look at his splits for Hudson. He's right-handed pitcher to lefties. A 317 weighted on base percentage, ISO 125. Very manageable. How about him? Being a right-handed pitcher going up against right-handed batters. 29 he's face, Kevin, a 248 weighted on base percentage and an ISO of 148. Something has to give. Both of these lineups are ultra-talented here. About 86, 87 degrees at first pitch in St. Louis. I just think the batting stand, the batters on both sides, mm-hmm. one through nine, a little bit too tough in this environment here. I'll take the over nine. I'm expecting that XFIP to hold up against those low-weighted on base percentages here. I think we get more hits than not here. Give me the over. You got yourself an eight and a half right now at a minus 104. If you're looking to go mm-hmm. over, if you're looking to attack the first five right now, uh, it's a four and a half, but it's at plus 108. So maybe it drops back down. You get a flat four, uh, put that push back in play. Let me ask you quickly here with these teams having the same record right now, the Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers, both at 57 and 48. The divisional odds have a minus 145 number on Milwaukee and a plus 110 number on the St. Louis Cardinals. When you consider that right now, the Brewers are about to start a series at home versus Cincinnati, and the Cardinals are about to start a series at home but versus the New York Yankees, if we leave the weekend with the Cardinals having a better record than the Brewers, considering where these teams are in the standings and who they're playing against, do we see St. Louis jump Milwaukee? I think you do. I eventually think you do, because if we're looking at the total talent, what was always the best part about the Brewers back into the bullpen starting rotation? It's still very good at this point, even though they lost Hader. But if you're looking just on talented lineups between both of them, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. Like you're getting Tyler O'Neill back. We had a home run last night as another power bat. I just think to me, Kevin, and contrary to property belief last year, St. Louis actually has a pretty good baseball team, and I do think they're the better team against Milwaukee, but it doesn't matter here. Let's see how they can hang around because they have a chance tonight to win the St. Louis Cardinals, but talking about two teams in different directions in different series right here, you can really see the Milwaukee Brewers tack on, but let's just say they don't actually tack on to the lead when it's all said and done after these series. I do think the St. Louis Cardinals are the better baseball team. I do. Listen, I have never really been super in on the Brewers, but more than that, it's that – They've always just been priced way too strong to me. And I don't think you're, I think, minus 145 right now, okay, fine. Again, the state of the series, sure. But this is, again, a a Cardinals team last year that stayed in the mix the entire way, and I think they're going to do the same this year. Yesterday, the Blue Jays and the Twins were at it, and it was a huge eighth inning for the Toronto Blue Jays that flipped this game on its head, uh, and they ended up running away with it. A 9-3 final score. Vladdy Jr. hit a three-run shot in this baseball game. But Rios has the ball for Minnesota going up against Tyler Molly. His first start as a Minnesota Twin post-deadline here. Road favorite for the Jays. Totals a nine. Where's the edge? 
It's an interesting one, right? Because you take a look at Molly with his first start for his new team. And how about Jose Barrios coming back home to Minnesota to pitch for the Blue Jays against those twins? Now, if we're taking a look at last 30 days, Barrios has really turned that corner and being one of those aces that you expected him to possibly play with the Blue Jays. Exit number, very manageable to 3.28. Look at his splits here. 79 batters he's faced from the left-hand side. Kevin, a 271 weighted on base percentage. How about the righties? 44 batters over the past 30 days and weighted on base percentage of 261 so power numbers, very good as well. But here's where the argument's going to come down to in which way you might want to lean. Do we think that the Toronto Blue Jays probably a better lineup? Yeah, they're going to be a better lineup that comes out one through nine than the Twins. But take a look at Molly. He's also got a very manageable XFIP number over the past 30 days, right around that 3.75. He's dominated. Keep in mind, Molly's a right-handed pitcher, dominated left-handed batters. An 0.97 weighted on base percentage and a zero ISO power number through 25 batters. But what do we know about the offense that's going to be coming for the Toronto Blue Jays, it's all, Kevin, from the right-hand side. And Molly's actually struggled a little bit over those past 30 days. 20 batters, a 393 weighted on base percentage and an ISO power number of 333. Molly's an innings eater and a horse, but the matchup is kind of decent here for the Toronto Blue Jays. I like Toronto tonight in this game. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, we saw Whit Merrifield yesterday make that debut for this baseball Aye. team. One of those guys where does the change of scenery wake him up? A little bit. A two-hit day. Yesterday, got an RBI, a run scored as well mm -hmm. uh, for the Blue Jays. How about also just kind of perspective here? Whit Merrifield batting in the eight hole for the Toronto Blue Jays right now. It just kind of, you know, this was a guy that kind of led the charge for Kansas City. Not successfully this year. Now he's an eight-hitter for this team. Uh, how about we, we take a look towards Red Sox-Royals? This was a good game for you yesterday. We're able to cash a total ticket here. These teams obviously back at it now with Granky having the ball light number. Man, it's just, it's very rare where you're going to see a team favored, and I'm going to use that as a slander point to say that they are a bad baseball team. But being only minus 116 against the Kansas City Royals is an eye-opener for a team that ultimately decided only to sell one guy in Christian Vasquez. Totals a nine. What are we doing, Granky Winkowski? Yeah, went last night with an over there between Boston and Kansas City. Worked out in our favor as well. And why not go back to the well? Because Winkowski, it's amazing that they're even a favorite here. You're right. It should be Boston Red Sox versus the tanking Kansas City Royals. You minimally set that at 150. Then you find out who the pitchers are, and you adjust it accordingly higher. But Winkowski hasn't been a great pitcher. Look at the last 30 days, Kevin. An XFIP approaching 7, a 10% strikeout rate. And how about this? 40 batters he's faced from the left-hand side being a right-handed pitcher. A 478 weighted on base percentage and an ISO power number of 382 doesn't get any better from the right side Kevin 353 weighted on base percentage and an ISO of 256 I think we get runs again tonight in Kansas City I do how about that could be some juice there's a couple of other games on the board that I know we're gonna uh, keep our eye on Valdez is in Cleveland at around a minus 200 number we mentioned the Brewers in the Red Series beginning huge number on Eric Lauer at a minus 240 right now. You've got some other low-level games happening. Uh, one thing I want to see is Robbie Ray up against that awful Angels lineup there. Uh, one of the late games tonight. Total is a 7 between Mariners, Angels. A lot of good baseball as we send it in to the weekend there. The Premier League uh, is back as well. So, soccer guy Donnie I is That's what Listen Up is about, right? Aye. The Premier League is back. Yeah. No, maybe. Listen Up with soccer. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Last segment of the week here. How about that for the early line on a Friday? Right here at Sirius XM Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Network. Donnie and Kevin here bringing that heat from 7 to 9 a.m. As always, handing it over to the morning after and Ben Stevens. Make sure you stay tuned for that. All the Sports Grid programming for the rest of today. Now, we went over a lot of topics today. Hit the Major League Baseball card. Some pretty good totals in there. And DRS, your boy, is hot this week overall. Now, we saw an NFL game on a Thursday night. Fantastic stuff. KW in on that over but today i want to talk a little bit of college basketball and about coach cow listen up say donnie what are you doing come on now it's football season it's baseball season what are you talking coach cow the coach of the kentucky wildcats and why would this enter into the equation because anytime I see nonsense out here, I have to do this. And the headline reads there, UK's Coach Cal refuses the kennel. What do you mean? He didn't take his dog to the kennel? When he went? No, 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 no. The kennel up in Spokane, Washington, the home of the Gonzaga Bulldogs here. That's what we're talking about. So a home and home is signed between Gonzaga and also UK. Fantastic, right? You love that. They're going to go to Rupp Arena and play in front of 22,000 people, see if they can hold their own. And then there's going to be a return match to Gonzaga, and they're going to play at the Kennel on their home court. No, 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 says Coach Cal here, as he's excited to play the series, but says in his own tweet, so it's an official quote, anybody that wants us to play in a 6,000-seat facility wants us to lose, and I get that. I tried to look back and find the last time UK played in a true regular season road game with 6,000 fewer fans. I stopped looking after this. What is he talking about here? It's a home and home. What's next? You're going to say, I don't want to go play in Cameron Indoor Stadium against Duke because it's a smaller arena and we might lose there? It makes no sense. If this is their home court and you play a home and home, this is what you're supposed to do. Gonzaga should have said, well, let's play this game in Louisville then so you don't have a true home court advantage. Come on, Cal. You got to be better than this. The competitive advantage, home and home, home and away. Play them in their building. Measure your guys up to that level. Stop it. Stop with the madness here. We'll have to talk college basketball midsummer. My goodness. 
Make sure you stay tuned right here to TMA. Coming up next on The Grid. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.